this episode you will enjoy an unconventional conversation with Wendy Williams, our first U.S. guest. We are so happy. We had a great conversation with her on Noavisa. We talked about how she coped with being a woman in the business world, how she created her own leadership style based on impact and collaboration, while she manages fear of the unknown and daily works on her purpose. Enjoy and share with us hearing precious and stories. Keep rocking. Hello, everybody. I'm so happy to be again on this conversation, this time with my partner, Navisa. Hi, Navisa. How are you? Hi, Maka. Nice to see you and nice to be with you from Cape Town. I'm here from Montevideo, well, actually Maldonado in Uruguay. I'm so excited, Navisa, to introduce our first United States person here in our show. Also a very important female for us that she's been helping us, building us our community. Hello, Wendy Williams. We are so happy to have you on board today. Welcome to our show. Thank you. It is my pleasure to be here as a believer in She Rocks Global and always love to be on the grassroots and help build. So is this when I talk a little bit about who I am? That would be <laughs> great. <laughs> yeah, jump in. I like people to know, first of all, I live in Princeton, New Jersey. That's where I am speaking to you from. And one of my monikers is president of JR Resources, which is a woman's business enterprise of a small boutique promotional products and swag agency, which I've been in the industry for 42 years. So it is my way of meeting the world. My proudest moment is as a citizen diplomat for the United States in, uh, for 26 years, I would say. And I have uh, traveled in many places of the world, but represent in Philadelphia, where both you have come as part of the Citizen Diplomacy Program in Philadelphia, and proud that it was the inception of the thought of She Rocks Global. So happy to be part of that group. You know, my life is a very unconventional, conventional life of a woman born in the 60s in the United States. I am a classic baby boomer who saw the light as a young woman programmed to go one way and rebelled and went a whole different way. And uh, that is what brings me here today. I'm so excited. All the things we're going to talk today, Wendy, welcome. Really, we are really happy to have you here, um, especially be, not only because you're also part of this IVLP network that make uh, Shirox Global uh, a fact, and, and that's why we are here, but also because we believe that uh, women like you are really important. We would love showcasing perfectly imperfect women. And the first question I would like to ask you because of all this unconventional, conventional journey that you were sharing with us. What were the main challenges you find uh, in the business world uh, because of being a woman, if there are some? Absolutely. Well, I started in the business world in my 20s, um, selling in uh, Houston, Texas. I lived in Texas uh, during the oil boom time, late 70s, early 80s, and as a young manager many challenges. Um, petite, um, I did not subscribe to all the lessons I learned originally. There was this book out called Marketing Warfare, 
it is such a male point of view of how to approach the marketplace. It was all military analogies, kill the competition, win so they lose. All of those concepts just was not me, was not me. I knew it instinctively. Luckily, I was 2,000 miles away from the main headquarters, and I got to build a little sales team as the youngest, shortest, most female, um, and a short time in the company, which was a, a uh, unconventional group because I was fundraising for a drug re- rehabilitation community. So I just instinctively knew that my strengths were using, I used what were perceived as my weaknesses, which was that I was petite, I was a woman, I was short, I didn't have a big edge to my personality, and flipped it to make nurturing, cheerleading, and leading by example the way that I led what became one of the most successful sales territories for the company. And this was at 24 years old to about 29 years old. And it was all instinctive, but you can't fight the results. The gentlemen who were my bosses really didn't get it, but they liked the results. And my trips, in its corniest way, were called the love trip. Um, This is way before. This is the 1970s and 80s. This was not fashionable. This was not Deepak Chopra talking about love. This was very, um, very unconventional as a style. And what happened was because this company, which became a $25 million promotional products agency, and I became vice president of sales, despite not really subscribing to my tactics from my managers, but certainly from the people I trained, they liked my my tactics and felt supported and nurtured and became wildly successful in a lot of different ways. Um, Because of that, I built a reputation in an industry, once again, accidentally. I had no career path. I had no plans. I just went with what was in front of me, knocked on every door, had a million mentors. Um, I could, anybody could mentor me. If uh, you mentor up, you mentor down. I love talking to the youth to find out what was going on. I consider them my mentors right now. I love talking to my customers. When I was 24, I didn't even know what a credit policy was. My customers taught me as I went along. So I subscribe to the mentors of all types throughout your life and your career. That sounds like a great advice to any female that it's uh, building any business. Definitely what you're describing, it's like a female leadership model, very unconventional now, but also what I listen, it's collaboration, uh, empathy, uh, impact, uh, because all you are describing, it's even you are saying it as something very intuitive and, and accidental uh, or unconventional. I would say that today, it's today's uh, future or image of what we need from a leader for, for today's talents. Navisa, you want to make questions go? Absolutely. And I think for me, what's so interesting is that It's weird that when we talk about empathy, collaboration, impact, it still feels rebellious. And so it's almost like that rebellion that you speak about, um, which, you know, fed how you followed your unconventional path continues. And so my question is, 
in trying to make sure that you remain Wendy Williams in all that you do in your 42 years of your career, in your service, in your family, how do you dial in and tap into that rebellious nature and how do you stay rebellious? Okay. Well, I think um, there's there's also a, an important distinction between letting go and quitting. Okay. And how I kept it is I think in, I can do my personal and I can do my business. It's not that compartmentalized. But in my business, I left that original company when um, I didn't quit. I let go when the uh, opportunity came where the company was being bought by two gentlemen. And the two gentlemen decided that I should become an assistant to train and my counterpart would become the VP of sales. And I knew at that point that I couldn't change how this man saw me. He liked me. It wasn't a matter of not liking me. But I know the difference when I can change how someone sees me and when a man, I can't change it. So it was the ability to let go and say, I'm leaving, even though it was 14 years and I built the company and I was a part of building the company. And I went to Philadelphia um, where another opportunity was there in an ad agency. And I stayed in that ad agency for 19 years until I recognized again that it was time to leave. I, I look at when I've made a place better than I found it, when I, that's my tipping point. Did I make it better than I found it? And is it serving me anymore? And when it's not serving me anymore, then I can't serve it anymore. And I take the leap. So I've done that. And uh, now I've got to JR Resources. And because I kept taking different leaks, leaps at times that my intuition told me I can't change it and it's not serving me anymore. That's the protective part of leading my life and co-creating my life. Um, I found a business partner with JR Resources that eventually led that I could build this company where they asked me to be the significant owner, gave me the shares of the company. I'm a 51% owner and lead the company. Now that's one way of navigating my life in business. And then having a backdrop of an industry that recognized me just even recently for my work in citizen diplomacy. Now then you get to the more revealing part, my country Western song with men. Okay, I say my life with men is a country Western song because as a young woman, the rebellious side was that I didn't want to get married. Um, I lost my father when I was 19. My mother was helpless. She was penniless. Women couldn't even have a credit card in the U.S. on their without a man's signature in 1972. And I said I would never be that way. So with my travels with men, which I love men, and I love having a partner to share my life with, <laughs> but I always want to be, to your question, Rabisa, Wendy Williams. I was a lot of different names. I always took their name, but <laughs> I started out life as Wendy Slotnikoff. <laughs> I um, got together with my first man, an Italian-American who was much older than me and ended up leaving him after three years. Amicably, 
It was fine. It wasn't serving me anymore. Um, my next man at 24 years old was a Jewish American <laughs> who was in his 30s, who was my student in training uh, that I trained. He um, became the number one salesman, is a marvelous guy, but he was in his 30s and I was always his boss. I learned a lesson about the male ego and I could not be his boss and I could not not be me. So he left me. Heartbroken I was, but later in life I understood what the dynamic was. Then I got with my third man who was a Puerto Rican man, larger than life, six foot two, um, an amazing, compassionate, loving, supportive human being who unfortunately died when I was 40 years old. But we had an amazing partnership together. And I developed, this is my global life. He had kids from other, I never had children. All the men I was with had children and that was fine with me. And it just kept developing my children of the world philosophy. Um, because once you're in my life, you're in my life. You never leave it. You're in my life now. You're you're part of my life. <laughs> That's how I am. <laughs> so with that, when he passed and I was 40, was the time that I, um, my worst fears realized. I was by myself in a one-bedroom apartment. I had never lived by myself. I lived from neighborhoods to college dorms to a community to now 40 years old by myself. It was the worst of times and the best of times <laughs> because I found out that after the horror and the trauma and the stress and the grief that I really liked myself and started traveling the world. That's when I first went to Paris, which became the love of my life, that city and that country, and traveled to Mexico to do, experience the Day of the Dead at Oaxaca and, and have a celebration in a different culture for the loss of my husband. And two years later, I met Tommy Williams through, through people, an Irish-American who I've been with for 25 years. And we got together at a time in our lives where we both knew what we wanted and it was each other. And we lived this beautiful marriage, supporting individual, the way I need to live with a man. But it took, it for me, it took this journey of, of knowing how to keep Wendy Williams or who was Wendy Delgado or who was Wendy Milstein or who was Wendy Ranieri. <laughs> All those people I was, and I cherish that. That is not the convention. That is not what how I grew up to, you know, get married, have your kids and be a good wife and be a good mother. All those things are wonderful. And I respect and love the women who have followed that path. That was not the Wendy Williams path. I love that you bring that and you share all this love story because I was about to ask you how letting go uh, fits on your personal life. And I think you gave a great example. But also this thing you were saying about cherishing yourself and being okay of the different versions of Wendy Williams or Wendy whatever. Um, I think there is a very important point, especially because the things we want to showcase in this show, it's about unconventional path perfectly perfect path like I don't know Navisa me we are not mothers so yeah it's now expecting a baby and we are very happy about that but we also want to showcase these kind of stories where you can design your own life and, and I think you are a great example of success about that because 
only by listening to you and, and watching you uh, tell your own story, I can see and feel that you are very proud of the life you designed. What would advice would you tell to women like us, maybe, that we are not going through the conventional path and, and we are a little bit um, frightened, but we know it's worth it. What would you say to, to women like us? I guess it's it's really um, to appreciate how paralyzing fear is, that the only thing in your way is the fear, the fear of the unknown. And the work that I've done for myself in in um, in embracing that fear is flipping it to, and I've done a lot of meditations with Deepak Chopra because I love the the um, the uh, unknown as the mystery of all the potential, all the I always possibilities that you can't once you just embrace and accept that there's fear on the unknown. It's just how it is. You know, we all have that. But if you can like control it to be more excited about the unknown as the field of possibilities and all the potential that's out there to explore and know and experience and how exciting that is. It is so much more exciting than paralyzed by fear because something bad could happen. That wow, Indy. I mean, I feel like now we should be sitting next to a fireplace. I'm in Cape Town. It's the middle of winter and I just want to talk for another hour and a half. But that being said, I want to just tap into seeing that you are here and you are our first um, American-based um, you know, guest. And of course, you've also had perhaps a country western song with um, your own country um, in the sense that you're sitting in the middle of a very specific moment in the United States. And we've come out of also a moment that maybe was characterized by fear, um, maybe, you know, us rejecting the unknown. Are you able to give us a sense of how you feel today and maybe even a brief synopsis of what you've gone through as an American citizen sitting in the United States, a woman um, you know, a baby boomer, you've got all of this happening. And of course, you were living your life, but you were also living in a very specific moment in the United States. Woof. Well, there's a lot to say there. Of course, um, from being a demonstrator for peace and civil rights in my team, in my, in my teens, certainly the 60s and 70s in college, um, it was a very uh, fearful time. It was a very, it still is, a polarized time in the United States that I'm coming out of actually the pandemic and the previous four years of the administration in the United States kind of out of shock. Um, it was shocking to me. It was really shocking. I, I live that there was such oppression and power domination as a way of leading our my country, which was really, um, you know, very shocking that so much of the citizens in my country subscribe to that. <laughs> you know, I live in Princeton, New Jersey, very deliberately because I'm in a college town, in a very special college town. So I really feel like I live in in a microcosm of the world. You walk down the streets of Princeton, you hear every language, you see every color. It's my own little global community. 
And um, I'm so comfortable in that. My my joys are being totally surrounded by people that are different than me to really get the real meat of life and um, the real substance. So to witness the the um, everything from the Black Lives Matters to the um, uh, vilification of so many women in the leadership circle, you know, in my country, after thinking we've made such leaps forward was was sad. I went through all kinds of grief and and sadness and shock and and um, but through the the tools of that I've learned through resilience, um, which is what it's all about. Resilience is your ticket out of all kinds of sadness, grief, depression. And my tools are um, all the connections with people, making sure I'm talking to people. Meditation is a mainstay of my day to, to start and be still, to take those walks you and through nature and feel the beauty of the day, no matter how horrific the news might be that day. Um, protect myself from bad news. There's always good news. And that's been the joy of citizen diplomacy for me, that I could tap into good news and people like both of you doing important, good work in our, in our world to bring people together, to showcase stories. I mean, I love the imperfect, perfect tagline because that's the truth that's the reality and that's okay so i also protect women's self-esteem because we are fantastic every woman i meet has a resilience quality has a caring nurturing style every um you know i just want to protect that because when women get into the leadership positions and women are part of the circle, there is a, there is a balance that comes. And I love the balance. It's all about win-win, you know, and women are needed to create the win-win in the world. There's enough in the world for everybody to eat and have a good experience in life. And I think the natural instinct, I'm not a mother by birthing a child, but I have many children around the world that I feel are my children. And um, I have a grandson through my stepdaughter that is, you know, part of my life fabric to watch this young man grow and to um, teach him that the world is about winning and winning. And if we can inspire our younger generations to understand that. And women are better at doing that. I was listening to you and I'm really, I love to listen to a woman like you that has achieved so much success, but also from this perspective about uh, the thing you were saying about being a mother without being a mother, like also because your responsibility and commitment, like we are, and I always say that, like all the mothers need help and you don't need to bring uh, a child into life to be a mother. And all the thing about being a global citizen. And I think you are talking about responsibility, about making the place a better world uh, from from any place you are. Um, and, and and on that line, I would ask you, like, if you need would like to highlight one thing that brought you here, like what make you be that female that it's changing the world from this global perspective, from this unconventional, but unconventional, but conventional uh, style 
that that because for me only by listening to you I know that you are creating impact every day on each women or or person you mentor or you help or you talk to. Uh, so what would you say? What, what brought you here? If there is only one thing you'd like to highlight, um, I think I just want to uh, read you a quick thing of my purpose in life. I wrote this on a retreat in Guadalajara, Mexico, in two thousand and seven, where I went. I go on retreats with women friends, and I say my purpose. So I read this every morning. So I fulfill my purpose every day. It is to connect people in a way that makes a positive difference in their journey and mine so that this collective energy brings health, peace, joy, and prosperity to them, the world, and me. So that's Thank what... Thank you. Thank you for that. Wow. I think it's a gift, that purpose. That definitely. Because... Also, it's like you sum up a lot of what we've been talking and why we are here with Navisa and Zoya. They think about creating impact, connecting people, uh, trying to get the best out of each person you met because we believe that everybody has something to teach us always. And that's what, why we have this show too. Right. So if I fulfill this every day, I've had a meaningful day. And sometimes it's with one person and sometimes... I'm in a sales business. I could talk to 50 people in a day. <laughs> so, Wendy, on that, what happens on a day when you feel like you haven't fulfilled your purpose? How do you end <sighs> that day? Well, I would say in different ways. It's It could be a reach-out call to my close girlfriends. I mean, I have... I'll tell you one other thing that I have if we haven't... I have a group of girlfriends that are friends of mine for 40 years, all right? Not even your lives yet. <laughs> um, we call ourselves the Julatis. It's three Jewish girls and a Latina. Rosa is one who Wabisa has met. My Julati girls <laughs> are three, three women who are women from Philadelphia, who we were raised in the same little Jewish neighborhood. It was a Jewish neighborhood in the 1960s. So I reach out. I know that there is always a phone call I could make or to just feel whole, you know, to feel connected. You know, so that's reaching out to my women friends. I have great solace from my husband. My husband is a loving, caring, funny, um, supportive man. So I might just sit and have a you know, have time with him, play a game with chess with him. He's just taught me chess. Just have different outlets to just come back to myself. There's many disappointing days, especially during 2020. It was the hardest thing for a woman who I'm never home. I'm always traveling. So it put life on pause and I had to find different tools, which Zoom was the biggest one, as many people have said, to see people and to connect. But um, those are some of the tools in my toolkit to say, okay, this day didn't go as you would like. <laughs> and um, reach out, connect, or just sit quietly. I know how to sit quietly and just, I have a yoga mat in my office and I can go to the mat and just close my eyes, cross my legs and just be, be, be with myself and that's okay. 
That's okay. So then uh, perhaps as we wrap up, we'll ask you then the final question, which is what makes you rock? People, connections, travel. <laughs> that makes me rock. <laughs> And you most certainly do rock, Wendy. Thank you so much for your time. Maka, I'm sure you have something to say as well as we end off our time with Wendy. That she's one of my favorites. Thank you very much. <laughs> that answer to what makes you rock, people, I loved it. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your job. Thank you for this role, the unconventional, conventional role model. Uh, we need much more women designing and creating their own lives. And being proud of it. So thank you for that. Keep rocking. Uh, and we hope to see you again soon. I look forward to meeting you. And I, I we will. We will. I'll be we there. We will. She rocks global. We will. do a very big summit one day, a global one. And we will have all our guests on board. Oh, I you heard it here for the happen. first time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I am very honored to be one of your guests and uh, it's very special to me as well. Thank you for your time and have a great week. She Rocks Global is a podcast collaboration produced by Macarena Botta, Nwabi Samayema and Zoya Kukic. This season of She Rocks Global was recorded in the American Corner Cape Town, which is also where you will find our sound engineer, Tikrai Gekana. Theme music for this podcast is composed and arranged through a collaboration between South African musician Nosihe and Hannah Sagasa from Germany. Mixing engineer is T Luminous. She Rocks Global is a podcast that showcases the stories of perfectly imperfect women from around the world. Should you be or know someone whom you think we should be talking to, please contact us through our Facebook or Instagram or Twitter channels. Handle She Rocks Global. Hashtag SheRocks. Until next time, keep rocking.